clock at five. Pass is intercepted at the goal line by Malcolm Butler. Unreal. Rainbows high and deep into the end zone. And it is caught. Caught, caught for a touchdown. A leaping touchdown. Here he goes. He'll be chased and he is gone. 97 yards. Does he get both feet in right here at the end, Jim? What are they going to roll it? He caught it? Touchdown! He did what? He did what? He runs to the 50. He runs to the 40. The guy is drunk, but there he goes. We are seeing another spectacular effort by Marino, who fires. Touchdown! Oh, that's loose. Allen steps up. Jumps over the defenders to pick up the first. There's a prayer. Stop it! Oh, please! <laughs> what a catch! That's insane! That's insane! The game's final play is a Wilson lock to the end zone, which is fought for by Tate with Jennings simultaneous. Who has it? Who do they give it to? man it just takes one catch sometimes and you got it for me so adam's officially gone he did not hurt himself going in let's see if he hurts himself coming out prop bets on that anybody i'm gonna take the over so we're talking about the green bay buccaneers game my projection is that no team is going to score more than 24 points in this game the bucks have scored 28 plus in three of five the packers have obviously talked about them 30 plus in all four thus far this year I'm going to say neither team will score more than 24. The winning team might have 24, but not going over. And you heard it here from Josh. All right. Being the best running team and Pittsburgh being the best run defense team, and they haven't given up a ton of yards to running backs, but I say that the Cleveland running game and their trio of backs and Ernest Johnson, Kareem Hunt, and Dontrell Hilliard will combine for a total of 150-plus rushing yards against. And that was it. You know, There's I. There's no more extra things. On I it. was so confident, though, that you were going to be right. Yeah. With how you I were really, acting. I really want to. I mean, I. <laughs> If, we're, if we want to look at positives and steps in the right direction, that was all I said. You're right. I I'm, did not say. I'm very proud of you for that. I did not say they'd be 150 rushing yards and Baker would get a haircut at halftime. And I was just ready for you to tack on <laughs> in a win. No, I didn't say that. To but be I, fair, I, I never mean, know. I never know what needs to be a, a bull, like what's considered a bull prediction or not. And that's clearly my problem. I don't even I don't even know why we have to say it's bold. It's just friend's fortune. We're just projecting what's going to happen. I think I keep saying projecting, projecting. but I keep saying predicting. I think the most important thing that happened is that it is confirmed that Derrick Henry listens to simultaneous catch. You're right there. Derrick Henry listened and said, Josh, hold my beer. <laughs> and he has been running he ran much better. <laughs> that was my immediate immediate thought. It's incredible. Anyway, welcome to Simultaneous Catch, everybody. I'm Adam Jeffrey Rossi. My name's Josh Lapping. It was another wild week in the NFL. We've got a ton to talk about, including Tua Time in Miami. 
which in the whole AFC East is super intriguing now after, of course, Denver beating the Patriots as well. The Titans are 6-0, and and battle for first place in the NFC happens on Thursday night. So, you know, it's just kind of a wild, wild year. Aren't they only 5-0? and Yeah, they might be 5-0 and because they had the bye week, but still, they're... Hey, I want to make sure we're credible it, here. I think they... Because we're the guys that didn't remember the Super Bowl number a couple years ago. I listen. Yes, that's funny. But I feel like more people don't know the number than do. <laughs> and the only reason that networks do know is because it's written on their teleprompter when they're like Super Bowl, and they have to look at it. I bet you any money that that they don't know just off the top of their head. Regardless, is it Super Bowl fifty five this year? I don't know. I think it's fifty five. Anyway. Yeah, so let's just dig right into it here. We've got some I, – I, I'm going to change the order a little bit here because we were just talking about Tua off-air. and Hang on. Before we get to that, I oh, need to sorry. say I wasn't that wrong on my friend's fortune. I mean, oh, right, like they didn't score 24 offensive points. <laughs> uh, technically, well, they didn't. They had 38 points total. But one two of them were the, touchdowns. Well, one was the pick six, and okay. the one was like a pick so down to the two. Line. <laughs> so I don't feel off. We'll talk about that game. Don't but feel off. We'll talk about that game, but I think that people are taking the wrong things from that game. But regardless, well, I'll be very curious as your takes on that. Regardless, uh, yeah. So big news, obviously, to a ton, ton, to a time. to a tug of Ayaloa, who we had a day practicing his name. <laughs> the one day you were like, we're saying it wrong. But regardless, so it's I still a, feel like we're saying it different, but that's fine. It's to a tongue of Ioloa. I, I like I listened to like forty people say it because I wanted to get it right, <laughs> and it's a fun name to say. Regardless, two a time. The Miami Dolphins are three and three, only a game out, a game and a half because the Bills do have the tiebreaker right now, out of first place in the AFC East. So they're they're pushing, and obviously Fitz's comments today add a whole other layer to it. When Ryan Fitzpatrick came out and said it was heartbreaking and. You know, he thought he was playing well, and he was upset about it. But then he did say in true Fitz fashion, I don't think anybody's expected anything less from him. But I still think we need to point out when people do good things. And he was very professional about it. And he was like, I'm going to be there for him, and I'm going to be ready to go if they need me. So I, I, I just want to get this from a Miami fan perspective. You know, I shared that, you know, it made sense to me as long as this was their plan from all along, no matter what. That made sense to me. You know, I did I did mention off air a second ago that I thought it was confusing that they wouldn't let Fitz know, but that's a whole other thing, just like a personal. But I just yeah, I just want to get the Miami fan perspective on this. Yeah, I mean, none of this none of this is surprising. The way Fitz is handling it, the the decision to go with Tua, in my opinion, is not surprising. I mean, I I expected. I mean, it's a heartbreaking thing. He was very Fitz was very candid, saying I got fired today, when he said that yesterday, mm-hmm. uh, and that's true. And I mean, like that's a bummer. And but I don't really think uh, speaking to to what you were talking about, saying was this their plan all along? Was this they're they're in my opinion, and obviously I don't know. This is just my speculation as to what I think. There was no timeline for this to happen. Right. We talked about, and I, and I joked about, like, being like, this is when it's going to happen. It's going to happen during the crazy bye week with playing the Jets and then bye week then play the Jets. And obviously mm. that got moved around. But in my opinion, it was always just about whenever they felt that Tua was going to be comfortable to be out on the field. With everything that happened, with no real offseason, no preseason, they obviously wanted him to see live game action in front of him to 
to have that experience. Uh, I think obviously the progression of what they've seen in practice and there have been leaked clips for the last month of what two is doing in practice. And obviously does that relate and transfer over to an NFL game? Not necessarily, but he, he's showing promise there. And I feel like it just, it makes sense, especially as you're thinking about the progression of a young team. Kurt Warner came on and talked about this uh, yesterday on NFL Network, and it makes a lot of sense for Kurt Warner to talk about it because it was a situation that Kurt Warner was put in. They were 5-4. and four. The so, New York Giants were the other drafted Eli and decided to make the switch. If, if you think about it, and even if, I mean, sure, Miami's technically in playoff contingent right now, sure, whatever, and I don't think this I think they're even more than technically because there's a seventh seed now, If you know what I mean? They'd be in contention if it, there was only six seeds, but there's an extra seed up for grabs. I really don't think this change majorly impacts that, and I, I think that's so strange that people are reacting in that way. I think people are just, well, I'll finish this statement first. So let's pretend that they weren't in playoff contention, or even if they are. It's the fact that this young team is coming together and you don't want to get the team to a point where next year, let's say they're at 70% of the plan next year. You don't want your quarterback of the future to be at zero, so you want to help get these pieces meshed together so they can all grow together. So you want to keep everyone on the track uh, of moving forward. And so in that opinion, or in that sense, that makes a lot of sense to me. I also, and this is going to be semi-critical and sound a little bit mean, but we have to... Ryan is not Patrick Mahomes. He was not lighting the NFL by storm. He had one really good game against the 49ers. Even against the Jets, he threw two interceptions. And if that wasn't against the Jets, then it wouldn't have been a blowout fashion. Did he? He did. He threw two interceptions. So on the year, he has 10 touchdowns, 7 picks. Pretty good. 70% completion. That's really good. And he's obviously been good at evading pressure, which the line has not been great of. That's what makes me a little bit worried about Tua coming in. But we just have to see. And if the coaching so staff it, feels like it's ready, then, then that's what it is. Some people have even mentioned that Tua might be more mobile than Fitz. Because, I mean, he's quick-footed. So. And, he, and he does have some mobility. Uh, we saw his legs while he was at Alabama. He did run around a little bit. But that's the thing. Is Obviously, there's so much going on because Ryan Fitzpatrick is such a likable guy and being on a two-game win streak. And so people are like, why is this happening? If if the Miami Dolphins were 1-5, and five, people are like, heck yeah. And so it's that's just the true. fact that they're on a win streak. Yeah, I mean, I, uh, against, it is. They had one perfect game against the 49ers mm-hmm. where it wasn't just Ryan. He had a great game, yes, but it was defense creating turnovers, putting pressure on the quarterback, yes. These are all things that you want to see a young quarterback into a gel with as they grow into that defense. You want that. And then you were playing the New York Jets where a lot of people are saying they could be the next winless team. Probably not going to happen. They'll win a few. But oh. people are saying it's realistic that they could go 0-16. So when you make those mistakes, like I said, Fitzpatrick threw two uh, picks in that game. Maybe it's not the blowout that everyone's like, why is this happening off this game? So while it stinks and you have to feel bad for the guy, especially because he's so likable, this is not, this is not, oh my gosh, what's happening? No. And I don't, I never, I don't, I don't think that either. I just, uh, I think it was just surprising because, you know, like we pointed out, they're coming off two straight wins, fits through, you know, six total, t- six touchdowns in the last two games. And it was just feeling like, okay, we're going to ride fits for a while. And then once he starts to fall off, we'll go to Tua. But I like what you said about, 
I think what makes me not even really have much more to say about it is you said that, you know, if you think that you want to be at 70% of your plan next year, you don't want your quarterback to be at 0% of that progression. Yeah. So I really think that makes a lot of sense. And I think it was, you know, we, we were just talking about this has more of an impact now. And I wonder if Tua knew because we talked about how, you know, he went to the 15-yard line, which, you know, on November – what was it? November 16th. 2019 is when he had the you know injury and potentially career ending injury a lot of people had said and he was sitting on that yard line you know in the stadium just thinking about it and i i wonder if he knew at that moment and he was like okay this is where i'm this is where i thought my career was ending and this is where my career is going to begin you know which makes it even cooler yeah it's very possible so. i think it was just a cool moment to to see that and he came out afterwards and talked he got his phone and went back out and FaceTime his parents because mm-hmm. his parents had always been at every game and they obviously weren't able to right. beat that one so to talk to them the kid's just a really good humble guy and I'm excited yeah I didn't expect to see him in week seven of the NFL uh I was for a long time really just on let him sit for yeah. for the entire time uh but obviously this is this is a coaching staff that I have to put my trust in I will say he must just look really good I, I'm, I'm just saying that I refuse to believe that someone like Brian Flores is going to put him in just because it's, okay, we drafted him fifth overall, put him in, he's healthy. He must look really good in practice. He truly must. And obviously there could be a lot going on that we don't know, but just before the San Francisco game, that was when Ryan Fitzpatrick had a really poor game, and they were like, what about Tua? And they're like, no, we're not doing that. And I feel like they would stick to that resolution if they didn't feel that it was just time. Yeah, so... Well, it'll be exciting. It'll be fun. They're on a bye week this week, and then they have the Rams. So your first start in the NFL, you have to face Aaron Donald coming right up the middle. Yikes. So good luck to a uh, – moving on to another team in the AFC, sitting at 2-3, and three, the New England Patriots, who dropped one to the Drew Locke coming back, led Denver Broncos, and Brandon McManus hitting six field goals. Yikes. So I was listening to – no, I was reading the power rankings, and Dan Hanzias said Brandon McManus, six field goals. I think it was – Two or three were 50-plus. One of them was 55-plus. And he was like, the best kicker in the NFL is not named Justin Tucker. And I was like, whoa. That's but, not true. But regardless, so it was a crazy defensive battle. And, you know, like I said, the Broncos hit six field goals in the game. And Denver or Denver really handled the Patriot offense. But also the Patriot off- defense caused turnovers. I mean, it was a really wild like it, it was so weird that the game wasn't muddy and rainy and stormy. That's the <laughs> like that's the way the game felt like it was being played. Uh, but I wanted to I wanted to talk to you about this because the Patriots are sitting at two and three, but the Broncos are also sitting at two and three. And I just feel like they're two teams where we feel vastly different about. And I just I'm interested to hear what you said. I mean, Cam Newton did say after the game that there was quote no need to press the panic button end quote. But the Patriots are under 500 through five games for the first time since 20. Or 2002, I was going to say. 2002. I literally, I already said locked into 20, but 2002 was the last time that they were below 500 through the first five games of the season. It's wild, obviously. You know, they there was only one season, actually, I guess two, because they had a four-game start where Brady had a suspension. But there's only, only one other season other than, than that, that they didn't have Tom Brady. They had Matt Castle, and they obviously went 11-5 and five that year. But, I mean... This is just it was an interesting game and I I just I'd like to hear your thoughts on it. And why why do we feel so differently about these two different teams when they're locked in the same record? 
Now, are you saying we because like you think we literally? I'm do? saying I'm saying we in terms of like of like as the general the sports media. Oh, okay, because I I was like I don't think that we are. I mean, <laughs> I agree with Cam. This is not the time to push the panic button. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean, sure they're below 500 for the first time in 18 years. Like, ooh, that's I mean that's a big that's like a big tip of the cap to to what New England's New England's been able to do. Absolutely, but it's one game below 500. We're in week seven. There's still so much football to be had. We still have half season plus to go. And so this is a team, both teams. I mean, they're just growing into themselves. They've dealt with adversity that they didn't think they were going to have to. Mm-hmm. Uh, players being put on the COVID list for, for the Patriots. The Broncos dealing with injury after injury after injury. Then the Melvin Gordon incident this week had to have been a distraction. Um, so there, there's just so many different things going on. They're... I don't want to say young teams because New England's not necessarily young, but uh, they're Denver, younger. They're younger than years past for sure. Denver is relatively young, and they're just—you can think of it young as an experience with having Cam Newton transitioning from Brady to Newton. And this is probably—I mean, I, when picking games, I would have had them at three and two right now. So this is not far off from where I expected them to be with everything going on. So I, I'm I'm not worried about either of these teams. I think they're both on really positive trajectories. I would like to see more offense from both of them. I think both need to continue to gel with their pieces on that side. Uh, obviously, Sutton going down hurt. Uh, Cam hasn't really found much of help from their wide receivers. Uh, I didn't think many people would be like, Demir Bird is the number one wide receiver there. Um, so there's just a lot of growth to be had there, but I'm not necessarily worried about either of these teams and I can see them turning around and just putting together a run both teams pretty well yeah I mean obviously we Denver lost Cortland Sutton and Von Miller but they're still pretty loaded on offense they still have a lot of talent obviously also Noah Fant is injured and you know everybody knows me I will be afraid of the Patriots until we beat them which is in two weeks when we play them for the first time so this weekend we have the Jets the following weekend November 1st it's the Patriots so It'll be wild, but I just I think that we I think a lot of people in sports are doing a disservice to not just these teams, but just teams in general because we always have this perception. And I know that I know that not all two and three teams are created equal, just the same way not all undefeated teams are created equal because scheduling and all that jazz. But a win's a win and a loss is a loss, and both these teams are two and three, and they're just talked about so vastly differently in the media. Everybody's like, "It's the Patriots; they'll be fine." And then people are like, "Okay, good job, Broncos! Like, good for you. Here's a cookie." Like, I just I think that Denver is a good team, and we talked about last year. When did they start 0 and 5 or 1 and 4? But all of them were like within a field goal or six points. Like it was something just crazy, insane like that. how they were losing games. And obviously they've won two this year, but they just, I mean, they have, they also, I mean, look at this. The Titans are 5 and 0, and the Broncos were two points away from beating the Titans opening day. So, I mean, we, we could talk all we want, but the Denver's a serious team to be worried about when you play, just the same as New England is. Because I don't think. I really don't think that was either team's best game. But what encouraged me is that both teams were able to defensively lock down in a league where everybody's scoring 40 every week. Sure. There there are differences, and this is going to sound weird, but obviously one is 0-6 and, and one's 2-3. and 3, But people can—I don't want to say you can sleep on the Jets, <laughs> but I don't think anyone's worried about playing the New York Jets right now where no, when traveling to Denver or Denver's coming to your house, they're like, oh, oh yeah, like I, wow. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. 
So let's. I just talked about the Titans here. So the Titans are five and zero, coming off of two big wins against two teams. Well, obviously, people might think more of the Bills than the Texans, but still, you talked about divisional game, and it was man. It was. I was wrong about being worried about that being a blowout. I mean, Tennessee and Tennessee got the best punch out of Deshaun Watson and that Houston Texans team. So, I mean, obviously went into overtime. Derrick Henry carries it in over 200-yard games. I I can't remember the stat, but he's like one of the – he's only one of three running backs in the history of the NFL to have more than one or two 200-yard games because he's got like three or four of them now. <laughs> I was going to say, it's, I see a pretty good number. It's kind of wild. But also like something that I wanted to point out that I thought was so funny is Derrick Henry ran – 21.6 miles per hour on his 94-yard run. And that – it blows my mind that a guy that never looks like he's running fast is running that fast. I don't know about you, but, like, he never looks like he's running fast. But that's the third fastest max speed all season by a, by a running back. Like, that's – That doesn't surprise me, actually, at all. Really? I mean, I feel like it never looks like he's running fast because – I mean, obviously he has a huge guy. broken long runs like that, but that's right. so rare that usually right. it's like a really good like three, four, um, four, five, six yard right. just pick up. Right. When that train gets going, though, he can go. Right, and that's the difference between obviously like this is what happens when you this is what happens when you know if you have a one one hundred and twenty something yard game and. There are games like that where it's like, well, he had the one ninety-four yard run, and then it was two yards. But, but so the days he has the two hundred yard games are like, he was still getting ten yards of carry every time they gave the ball. It's just the one time he broke it for almost a hundred. So I mean, he really just all day long was eating at him, and it was so crazy that also like this is the reason why they put up forty plus is that Ryan Tannehill also had a great day with four touchdowns. Like th- this whole offense was so good against this team and we talked about it last week where I I did I said they were contenders and you said you were still a little bit on the fence about it and I just like in my mind if I'm making a top five they're my top five they might be at like three or two for me right now in the NFL and I just want to know like is are they a top five or a top three team in your mind yikes all right so here is I don't know I'm really conflicted about this when I think about an overall team sure yeah absolutely they're a top five at least overall Team, mm-hmm. but I don't know if in terms of where I'd put them in, like, are they going to go all the way if I put okay. them in right. that category? So here's a couple. Of, so one of the reasons I'm like they're really great is they score a touchdown 83% of the time that they're in the red zone, which is which is unbelievable That's number for people who don't great. pay attention to in terms of percentages on scoring, not just scoring in the red zone because a lot of teams can get that high in terms of scoring. They'll kick a field goal. Yes, but in, but to get the a touchdown, touchdown percentage. Yes. That that's I, I wish we could find the league average because I bet you it's at least fifteen to twenty percent lower than that. So with that being said, one of the reasons I'm still so hesitant. Let's take the Bills game out of the equation. All right, okay. that's out. Okay. In their four other wins, they've outscored their opponents by twelve points. Interesting. It was like two one. And then, obviously, the overtime game was... Right, because they beat Denver by two, they beat Jacksonville by one, and then this overtime... And I can't remember the other one. But Minnesota was also, like, a field goal game. Minnesota was a one-point game. So, okay, one-point game. So, they have, in four games, other than the Bills, they... Okay. And, and, and sure, you can make the, the reasons as to, like, you need to win those games, and you right. do, and that's great. Right. Is that sustainable? No, in my opinion, it's not. Okay. So, we need to see more... The Buffalo Bills game... Sorry was okay. a defining game. That was yeah. a complete team game. Yeah. And that was the only one I've seen 
this year from the Tennessee Titans. And not okay. every game is going to be 14 to 32. That's not what I'm asking. But right. you can't always get down to having to have the ball at the end to win and go all the way. Okay, well then, so let, let's shift this then. So let's talk about, so name me some teams that you think that you're like flat out they're better. Um, I would say. Because st- I'm, willing, I'm willing to bet that some of those teams also have those same questions. Well, sure. I mean, every team you know has I mean? questions. No, I'm not. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that like every team's going to have to face the "we're going to need to win close games" thing, and obviously, we're only six weeks into the season, so there's much more to go. <laughs> Even though we're getting, I had the thought the other day. I was like, we're only a couple weeks away from halfway through, and I was like, no, don't go away. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I'm just saying that I really think that. And we talked about this, I don't know if it was last year with the Packers or the year before with Micah Hyde and the Bills, where it's like, I'm tired of apologizing for wins. And you get to a point where it's like, I, I'm not going to say, okay, I'm sorry we won by one. Sure, no, you know? absolutely. And you shouldn't have to. But I mean, like right. last year's Packers are a great example. Like they were 3-13, and 13, but everyone's like, they don't deserve to be 3-13. Right, right. It's like, but they are. And right. Eventually it caught up to them and they got smacked in the mouth. And I'm not going to be surprised if that happens to these Titans yeah, somewhere I mean, in the near future. I don't know what their schedule looks like coming up. Uh, but to to answer your but, question, I'll answer it. Yeah. It's obviously a team that we very much disagree on, but I think Tampa, I think okay. they're a we do team very much, very much that disagree. can be built to withstand those sorts of things. We've already seen them overcome it. Um, I think a team like the Rams, I know they got I love around a little bit on on Monday, Sunday. What's really interesting, it was Sunday, I think, but what's really interesting about, uh, that, about them is, so they're 0-2 against teams that are not NFC East. They beat the Cowboys, Washington, oh, that, that's bad. the Giants, and the Eagles. And then their two <laughs> losses against the Bills and the 49ers. Yikes. And I so I was the best just team in the East. But but again, this is this is what I'm pointing out is that like before knowing that, everybody thinks the Rams are one of the and I still like I that that doesn't I don't want to say it doesn't matter. Sure. But it, but to me, like I still think of the Rams as as one of the better teams in the NFL. Like, they're still a top 10 team for me. But, like, and then people will look at the Titans and be like, well, you beat the Texans and the Jaguars and the and the Broncos. And I'm like, well, you know, there are other teams that we think so highly of. It's just, like, it really is just what do you feel? And I'm just interested in what the psyche of that is for some people. And I'm not talking about just you. But also, like, we talk about – I'm bringing up the Buccaneers right here because I, I obviously, like – I don't think the Bucks are as good as people think they are, but like they got whacked by the Saints in Week One. Then, then they uh, they hand, handled the Panthers late. Uh, then they then they whacked the Broncos. Then they were in a really tight contest with rookie Justin Herbert. Uh, then they lost by one point to the Bears, and then they crushed the Packers. So to me, that just shows inconsistency. Like if we want to talk about like, at least the Titans. One consistently win, but at least the Titans always show up. And yeah, they do. And like the there are two games here, the Bucks, where Tom and the offense was terrible against the Saints and they were terrible against the Bears. So I guess that's only two. But then you have two blowouts against the Broncos and the Packers. Uh and the Packers one we could talk about in a second if we really want to. But then and then you and then you barely beat a rookie at home. So, like, I'm not saying that they're a bad football team. Please do not hear what I am not saying, okay? I am not saying that they're a bad team. But people are like, they're the – like, Colin Coward said he was the best – they were the best team in the NFL. I was like, are you crazy? That blows my mind. Am I am I am I really being that biased? Like look a little bit like you're my best friend. I mean, there's my, some- You're my co-host. Am I really being that biased? <laughs> you're <laughs> – 
Uh, yeah, I think a little bit. Okay. I mean, when they have a defense that we're tossing all these accolades about mm-hmm. the Saints shutting down the run, the Bucks right. are shutting down the completely. They really are. And if you can make teams one-dimensional in that way, a, a team as hot as the Packers, where if you just force some mistakes and get into a quarterback's head, then you don't even have to be great on, on offense. Yeah, I just really yeah. feel like they have all the pieces. And I will say, again, to dig into it a little bit because I keep teasing it and not talking about it, the the game against the Packers, I'm not going to say it wasn't impressive because obviously you beat a team that I thought was the best team in the NFL the way you did. Kudos to you. But I even said it at halftime. I was like, I'm not worried because the Packers spotted them 14 points in the first quarter because of a bad throw on a pick six and – you know, what was the other one was a tipped pass, wasn't it? The other interception yeah, that he took down. Awesome. Yeah. It was a tip pass. It was off the receiver's hand. He took it all the way down to the one, and all you have to do is jump over the tops. That's 14 points that you just gift a team, and then after that, it gets out of hand. So, and I know that, I, I know that, like, I get it. You still won the game and everything and all that. Good, like, good for you, but it does not instill confidence in me that you needed those two gift plays to get the lead, and then it just seemed like everybody was like, the game's over. It got out of hand. And so I'll just I'll say this before I mean I don't know how much we can keep digging on this for the next right, half hour if we right, want to right but <laughs> it's similar to what you're saying about my rebuttal to the Titans you okay. can't apologize for how you win you can't apologize that okay. your defensive yeah. back made a great cut and it's took true. it and so it's I true. mean they're just guys out there performing and performing pretty darn well and I I thought I wrote down what their next uh, couple of games are because I'm just really interested I literally just pulled up their schedule so why wouldn't I just look at it. <laughs> Um, I'm just I'm really interested to see where this team goes because they have this game against uh, yeah they have this game on Sunday night against the Vegas Raiders which is going to be fascinating for a team that just beat the World Champs to a team that thinks that they might be the World Champs this year but then <laughs> they but then they get the Giants and then it's a rematch against the Saints who crushed them and then they're on the road against the Panthers and they have the Rams and they have the Chiefs so like they've got a schedule coming up here and it's going to be interesting to see how they handle it for sure but. I, my my last note I will say about this, and maybe as to why you're showing just a tiny bit of bias, is because okay. each time you're talking about the Saints, you're like the Saints crushed them. So thinking right. about how right. the 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 Bucks were gifted touchdowns, right. the Saints were gifted touchdowns off off Brady picks in his first okay. game as a Buccaneer. Well, so. so the only reason why the only reason why, and again, I, I I'm not gonna I'm not gonna deny that I don't like Tom Brady. Everybody knows I hate Tom Brady. <laughs> But I shouldn't say hate because I'm trying not to say that anymore. But legitimately watching the picks of Tom Brady versus the picks of Aaron Rodgers, like the Tom Brady picks just looked bad. Like he made a bad choice or he couldn't make the throw. Like Aaron Rodgers made a bad decision to throw that out route. But even when you look at the out route, it really looks like Devontae didn't pull up enough to move out and grab it, one. But also the other is a tip pass off a guy's hands. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna fault that. I don't that to me that doesn't signal a good play by a defense. It's just a bad play by an offense. So we'll see what happens. I, legitimately. I I if the if the Buccaneers make it win this division, which I still very much so believe that they won't. If, if they, I mean, I always say I had them out of the playoffs. We'll see what happens with that. I, I'm not as confident about that anymore, obviously, especially with seven seeds. But that being said, it, like, I'll eat crow, I will say, and come on the show. I'm sorry I was wrong. I'll recall it. But I just, right now, I still have not seen something that makes me go, I'm worried about Tampa Bay. All right. So, well, regardless, we're talking. So we'll, we'll also learn about a lot about the Titans this week. We will. And, 
This is they, uh, they're featured in Powell's picks. So. This is the uh, <laughs> fifth time though when they face Pittsburgh that two undefeated teams have played in Week Seven or later. I think that you have the exact same thing that I have. Since oh, are you 19, say? Since 1966. Uh, that, well, I don't. I didn't have the year. But, but I was since say the winner of the previous four went on to win or play in the Super Bowl. Oh wait, sorry. No, I have the list since 1966, oh, okay. which is the Packers versus the Broncos, who are both six and zero in 2015. Uh, was the start the la- of a big skin for the Packers. Yeah, that was the last time. And then before that, in 2007, there were two games. Both of them were New England because that was undefeated season for New England. They beat the Colts, who were seven and zero. They beat the Cowboys, who were five and zero. So, I mean, there were. It's not something that happens a lot in the NFL when two teams are this good this early. And I mean that game will be. I actually, feel it's this late. Did I say this early? You did. Sorry. Uh, regardless, it'll be it'll be um, highlighted all across the park. You know what? Another little fun fact. What? Vrabel was part of two of those teams with the Pats. That That's is pretty cool. cool. That is cool. So let's go from we were just talking about stacked teams and divisions with the NFC South, and let's go to a not stacked division, the NFC least well and it sounds like it's the rams before yeah (laughs) before yeah they're clearly the division champs but um before week six these were the win percentages for the division the cowboys had a 47 percent chance to win at two and three the eagles had a 34 percent at one three and one washington at 17 percent and the giants at own five still had two percent now obviously all those numbers have been jumbled around and mixed up and here we sit the giants are one and five eagles are one four and one and they're playing on thursday night football this week and whichever one wins is going to have at least a share if not sit at top of the division by the end of the week so yikes i mean it's been it's been kind of crazy and i'm going to go into word of defense here okay i'm word of defense for the Philadelphia Eagles, I'm, I'm about to defend. Surprised. I'm about to defend the Philadelphia <laughs> Eagles right, right here now. We go. Okay, here we go. Philadelphia, they have four losses this year. Three of them are against teams that are combined 14 and two. Okay, they faced the number one and the number two defenses in consecutive weeks the last two weeks, and almost won against one of them in the Baltimore Ravens last week. Okay, in fact, you could argue they should have because in that game. Two dropped, terrible dropped, would-be touchdown passes in that game. And Carson Wentz sacked six times and dropped out the wazoo. So, I mean, I, do I, I thought I had another stat here. Hold on, give me one second. Uh, oh, it disappeared. It's fine. Regardless, Carson Wentz and this offense, injury after injury after injury, they're one four and one. They're losing games. You, I get it. Like when you pay your quarterback that much money, you're paying him to overcome that. That's exactly what you're what you're doing. Okay. But they're they're very much in this division hunt. They still have yet to play the Cowboys, who looked awful on Monday Night Football against the Cardinals. So you, that could be just another game getting out of hand. It really could. First game with Andy Dalton. We you can rub that off. This game is going to be decided when the teams play each other. Like this division is not going to be decided by who wins the most games outside of it. It's who beats each other. That's Probably. who's going to win the division. Yeah. So, and Philly has beaten the Cowboys 
in a couple of years. You know what I mean? Like they did last year when they, nobody was like, everybody was like, oh, the Cowboys are going to beat the Eagles, right? And they're going to win the division. And then the Eagles won. I just, injury after injury after injury, and yet this team still sits in a position. And Carson Wentz, and he, he has one of the lower completion percentages in the NFL. And obviously fantasy football does not always it does not always equate to real football, but Carson Wentz has been a top 12 fantasy quarterback the last three straight weeks. Uh, and in the fourth week, he was a little bit outside of it. But regardless, I'm I'm not sitting here, word of the fence, saying that the Eagles are like, they're going to win playoff games and go to the, you know what I mean? I'm saying that I picked them to win the division, and I am more than confident than ever that they're going to win the division because I'm just, I'm seeing them compete and Obviously, the only one I think that they're going to win on Thursday, and you might be listening to this after Thursday that they got crushed by the Giants. It's going to sound so stupid, but they still won't even be that far out of it, even if they do. But regardless, uh, I'm not. I'm not saying they're the, this contending team because this is an awful division, and none of these teams really should be in the playoffs. But I just look at a team that has faced one of the hardest, if not the hardest, stretches of any team in the NFL facing all these teams that are so good and they're still in position to grab their division with all these injuries. You're getting Deshaun Jackson back this week. Eventually you're going to get Alshon Jeffrey back. You're going to get some, you're going to get Dallas Goddard back. Uh, Zach Ertz and Miles Sanders are out this week, which is tough, but you're going to get them back. Eventually this team will have its weapons back and will look so different than they do right now. And again, please, don't hear what I am not saying. Philadelphia is not a great football team. None of these teams in this division are, okay? Nobody needs to come at me or the podcast for for saying that Philly's a great team because, me, bro. because they're not. But they are good enough to win a very bad, very clearly worst division in the NFL. And <laughs> I'm defending them because they have had a slugfest of a start in terms of teams that they have had to play and they weathered it enough to be in position to win the division. Okay. That's I like word. it. That's my word in defense. There we go. <clears throat> well said, my friend. Well I did said. A, I did all that without even mentioning the fact that their front seven is pretty damn good. Haven't really shown it this year though. I mean they did I mean I got San Francisco and their one win, they were really all over them. But yeah. And then late in the game against Baltimore on their comeback, they really did contain Lamar very well near the end of the game. Let's get into some no huddle. Talk about some upcoming games for this week real quick. Uh, Talking about those Green Bay Packers. They're traveling down to the Houston Texans. Rodgers has never had two consecutive starts without throwing a touchdown. Wow. That is the longest... No, out of his 174 starts, that is the longest percentage of doing that for that amount of time. Watson has the highest passer rating of it, uh, since at least 1950 by a quarterback who has one win or less through six games. And the passer rating is 107.6. So maybe I am not as far off about him having his best statistical year as I thought I was. Because I was like, wow, I'm really eating on that one. <laughs> How about this one? The Green Bay defense, very different home versus away. They average or allowed. This is also, I think, skewed because of the Tampa game. But they have allowed 34 points on the road versus 15.5 at home. So wow. that's a huge differential. I'm excited about that game, though. Uh, the Browns at the Bengals. I'm excited about this game, too. 
So how about this? This is I was really surprised by this one. Joe Burrow has thrown, has made 246 pass attempts. That's the most in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Baker Mayfield has made 170, the second fewest in the NFL. Mm-hmm. So two totally different game scripts there. I guess it's not as surprising when you think about how effective the Browns have been on the ground. Yeah. Um, the Browns have a have had two losses by 30-plus points this year. The rest of the NFL has... Yikes. That hasn't happened once. Wait, what? There has not been any other team that has lost a game by 30 or more. Well... Other than the Browns. The Packers lost by 28. (laughs) (laughs) That's wild, though. I wouldn't even think about that. (laughs) The Bengals have allowed 100-plus scrimmage yards to five running backs this season, so big hope for the Browns to get back on track with not having Baker, who I'm curious to see how his health looks this week. Um, Not having to sling the ball around too much. Seattle at Arizona. I'm very excited about this one. Kyler Murray has more rushing touchdowns than any any and all the Seahawks combined. Murray has six, and the Seahawks have four rushing touchdowns. So not a very... Pete Carroll uh, game script. Everyone always talked about him running. Let so Russ cook, and, man. Let Russ cook. All right, this stat fascinated me. Teams with five or fewer days of rest are thirty-two and seventeen versus teams with ten plus days of rest since nineteen ninety. I totally thought it'd be the other way around. That really? I thought teams that were had a longer break to prepare would be more efficient. It's just kind of interesting because, I mean, we talked about that even with the Buffalo-Tennessee game that was on Tuesday where everybody was like, you know, Buffalo's going to win because the Tennessee hasn't played. And then they crushed them and it was like, yeah, but they were coming off a rest. I just, it's really interesting how people look at that. And I really think that it, it's a matter of context and nuance. It's not just, oh, they had a rest. It's, did the coach do the right thing when they had the time off? Did they prepare right? Did they actually rest if so they needed do you, it? Do you again? feel like with it being so – it's almost more – it's more than half, really. Not really. I guess it's a little less than half. But, like, teams that have that rest are winning less games. So do you feel it like the coaches aren't doing the right things? I don't know. I, I Again, it just – it Is all it a depends. matter of, like, teams staying hot? That kind of thing? I don't know. I mean, we there's always the rest versus – start thing at the end of the year when teams have clinched the playoffs and most of the time we've been on the you should play at least some of it you know train and a lot of coaches are that way too I mean Bill Belichick is famously that way but I don't know it's interesting because then we also talk about the fact that you know Sean McVay is very much on record talking about how the fact that he had two weeks to prepare for New England hurt him that he over prepared you know super, what I mean super so. fascinating for as much as as of late, in my opinion, Russell Wilson has struggled against the Cardinals. Uh, the Cards have not won a home game versus the Seahawks since Russ first started in this 2012. There's another great game. The last one I have to talk about is the Monday night game. Yes, Monday night. The Bears at the Rams. The Bears mm-hmm. have only allowed one receiving touchdown this year. So they are locking down that secondary. Well, this is the battle of which team is real and which team is fake. Okay. Obviously, they could both be real and they could both be fake. But 
Bears five and one, and a lot of people questioning that start, especially against some of the teams that they've played. Although they did beat Tampa Bay, which everybody thinks is one of the best teams in the NFL, and Colorado Coward thinks is the best team in the NFL. Uh, and then I just said that the Rams have only beaten the NFC East. So I mean, this is really uh, who is real, who is not. So going with that lockdown secondary, Goff has the most interceptions without a passing touchdown against the Bears, against any one team specifically in the Super Bowl era. He has thrown five picks against the Bears, but it's never thrown a touchdown. That is interesting. I feel like he must have just played them his rookie year and threw five, and that was it. <laughs> well, I do remember. I, I believe it was the Super Bowl year. <laughs> I'm just messing. But I, he I did remember play him his rookie year. But and I just remember, but like. The Bears were one of the only teams that really stopped that offense that year. Yes, and that, that was is very true. fascinating. Also on Chicago's side, as they've won six of the last eight against the Rams. Chicago is such a weird team because, like I said, they were twelve and four two years ago, and everybody was like, "Oh man, they've arrived." Mitch Trubisky, Matt Nagy, and then obviously they were terrible last year, and now all of a sudden, I mean, not even terrible. I mean, they were six and six at one point last year, well within the hunt of the playoffs, and then they fell off and didn't make it. But like. Now this year they're five and one, and I mean, they've been more good than they've been bad with Matt Nagy. So why do we have such a weird vision of Chicago? I'm including myself in that because even I am like, are they really that good? So I don't know. I've gone back and forth, gone back and forth. They're very similar Mm -hmm. in different ways to the Tennessee Titans for me. Absolutely. All right, that was uh, some some things to talk about for upcoming games this week. Love it. Well, we're at that point, friends. We're at that point because it's time for... Pals Picks. Oh, yeah. I think we need to start saying, oh, no, because we are pretty, pretty... What happened, man? We were in week two or three. We were like, oh, man, we're so good. But the important thing is my strategy worked. It sure (laughs) did. I have entered week seven with a record of 10-8. You, my friend, are a solid 500 with 9-9. Better than I actually thought I was going to be. I thought I'd be under 500, but that, but I will that, Chief, say, that though, clutch Chiefs pick saved me. I will say, though, <laughs> in the last two weeks, we've only picked one correct game each. We were both 0-3 last week? No, we picked one game right each week. Yeah, I'm saying that if I got it right this week, that means that last week No, I, in week five, you picked one correct game. In week six, you picked oh, one correct game. Oh, in each week. Yes. I thought you said, like... Combining the two no, weeks, I was like, "What the heck?" Only picked one okay. game right. So we both have been two and four the last. Yes. Or two and yeah. Yes, two and four. So let's get back on it here. All right. So I got to pick the games, but I decided to not do my typical thing of like picking like best records and just okay. went with games that I thought were going to be good ones. So okay. my first game I have for you is the Dallas Cowboys traveling to take on the Washington Football Team. This game is weird (laughs) it really is i mean it should be so easy just to say dallas wins this game right it should be so easy to say that but you have washington who's been a pesky team they've been a a pretty decent defense at times their front seven is can be scary and kyle allen has been okay as the starter but i just think it's you know dallas has to win this game it doubt like I'm 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 picking Dallas because Dallas, this is, like, it's weird to say against Washington. This is your season here. If you lose against Washington, then it's over. 
It really, truly is over. In a lot of fans' minds, it is already over because they're not making a run and they're not going to the Super Bowl anymore, and they felt that they could with the team that they had. But there's talks about dissension in the ranks in the locker room, people questioning, should they have hired McCarthy? I mean, it's bad right now, and I think that this is a this is the perfect opportunity to be like, we need to get right, we need to win this one, and then we'll move on from there, we'll focus. I mean, they're, what are they, they're two and four right now. They're two and four. You go three and four. You still be the lead of the division at three and four, regardless of what happens on Thursday night, and and you move on from there. You've got plenty of division games left, and if you, you, you it's everything that you need is in front of you, but you have to win this game. Okay, let's go to the Detroit Lions. Bless you, bless you. Traveling Thanks. down to take on your Atlanta Falcons. I don't like this one, and this, this is like two of your like heartthrob teams. I don't, I don't like this one. This one makes me sad. Um, Yikes. There's a lot happening right here. Uh, listen, so we talked about, you talked about when we discussed coaches that what Atlanta needed was a motivator, that they had the talent that they needed, they had all the talent that they needed, and that they just needed a guy to motivate the troops. And I talked about it. Raheem Moore is that. Raheem Moore, Raheem the Dream is legitimately known as a motivator. And obviously he's a defensive mind, he's a defensive coordinator. But they showed up last week. They did. And people were kind of shocked about it that in the way that they showed up. I mean, it would have been a game that most people would have picked them earlier on. Like if you would have went through, I would have been like, yeah, they're going to win. But I'm just I'm just kind of surprised at how good that they looked. Um and okay, maybe people wouldn't know that because they would have had a different thought about Minnesota earlier on too. But regardless, um, I, I, I'm kind of buying time here because I don't know how to pick this game, <laughs> and I and I said I wasn't going to pick Atlanta again this whole year, and I think that I just have to not stick with that and pick Atlanta. Okay, <laughs> I just I I think that. They, they're feeling really good, and Matt Ryan and Julio Jones found their groove a bit there. The offense is rolling, and, you know, we're going to talk about the Lions a little bit later because they're featured in a cold read, which is warming that cold read up for you a little bit. Ooh. But, yeah, I just don't really believe in them. So let's go with the Raheem-led Atlanta Falcons. All right, and last but not least, the Jacksonville Jaguars travel out to L.A. to take on the Chargers. A pick of the Chargers. Chargers have a problem with closing games, but who better to learn how to close a game against than the Jacksonville Jaguars, who have just fallen off. We were feeling so good about them after week one when they had that upset, and they only, only lost by one of the Titans, and it was like, whoa, the Jaguars, man, Minshew Magic, and maybe Minshew Magic is really just a discount card trick at an amateur magic shop. Who knows? Could be. But... Would it make not would it not make perfect sense for Minshew to go out to LA of all places and become a stud again? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so you took the Cowboys over Washington, you took the Falcons at home over the Lions, and you took the Chargers at home over the Jags. I decided to give you all the high record games. That's and okay. Starting with hardest first. At least for me, but not for you. The Pittsburgh Steelers against the Tennessee Titans. 6-0 and versus 5-0. and We teased this game earlier. Yeah, up I mean, if, if it makes you feel any better, I didn't give you this game because it was mine already because this was a COVID game you already gave me, uh, right. which I picked the Steelers right. before. I'm going to pick the Steelers again. Um, 
is Derrick Henry going to run wild? I think he's going to run really, really well. It's going to be the toughest test this front has faced in containing a running back. But teams have shown one time this year and in the past that it's not impossible to stop this guy. And if they do slow him down a little bit, I think this secondary is not going to let Ryan Tannehill look like an MVP candidate that he looks like right now. And I feel like this defense will limit the scoring more so than the Titans have been able to eke out over teams that they've beaten by close scores. I will say this. Last week, what the Steelers did was they loaded up, they stopped the run and forced Baker to win the game, and Baker very clearly couldn't, whether it was the injury or because it's Baker. I have way more confidence that Tannehill can. So we'll see what happens. I think but, well, I, I agree with that statement, yeah. but I just think they're going to tighten it down enough. Tight, they'll be able to get it down. Tighten it down. <laughs> anyway, moving to the next game, we talked about this divisional matchup, the Seahawks traveling to Arizona to face the Cardinals. This is the most fascinating game to me I've seen in a while. And this, I just – because the Cardinals were riding high, start the year, beat the 49ers, and – you know, I, did they start two and zero or three and zero? I think they started. I thought they were three and zero. So they started three and zero. Then they lost two straight, and then they just like walloped the Cowboys. So we'll see what happens here. Obviously, Seattle riding high. Seattle's undefeated, aren't they? they five, are. five and zero, and they're coming off a bye week, so they're rested. But Russell Wilson versus Kyler Murray, maybe the matchup between the shortest combined quarterbacks in NFL history. but Yeah, there's a lot going on here. Like I said, uh, there's that statistic saying the team that had the the rest is on the losing end. There's the statistic that Russ hasn't lost in Arizona. When it comes down to it, I've said it time and time again, and Russ, I trust. I'm going to take the Seahawks. I think this is not going to be an easy game by either team. I think points are going to be put up, but at the end of the day, I want the ball in Russell's hand versus Kyler, and if it's that way, it's going to get done. Do you really just not like Kyler because he steals touchdowns away from Kendra? I mean, maybe. <laughs> Regardless, it should be a really fun game. The Buccaneers versus the Las Vegas Raiders on Sunday night football. Now, here's a guy who feels better about the Bucks than this guy does. So <laughs> uh, get out. Talk to me about it. Yeah. So this is a really, in my opinion, this is the toughest game to pick. Okay. In, in my humble opinion, you gave me some doozies. But I am going to pick the Buccaneers for the sole reason that, and, and I would love to be wrong in this, the reason I'm picking the Bucks is because how we were talking about how they're so good at limiting the run. And so if they slow down Josh Jacobs, I don't foresee Carr having a game like he did against the Chiefs. Now, I want to be okay. wrong because I've always been like, yeah, Derek Carr. You have cool. been a Derek like Carr him. fan. I, and if he's able to put the team solely on his back and, and just be like, our running game's really great, but I can air it out when I need to. If they win that way, that makes me really, really happy. I don't see it happening that way. Uh, so for that reason, I'm taking the Bucks. I feel like Brady will be able to pick on this defense a little bit more so then the Vegas offenses pick on their defense, and I'm going to pick them for that reason. Fair enough. All right, just to recap, you went with all the road teams. I'm a roadie <laughs> this week. Took the Steelers over the Titans, the Seahawks over the Cards, and the Bucks over the Raiders. That was past pick sponsored by Wegmans. By Wegmans. Did we get in trouble by that at some point for saying that? I mean, we could. Oh, well. Maybe they'll just sponsor us. Yeah. 
So, Josh, no faith in our podcast. Anyway, it's time for some cold reads. Cold reads. I have two burn. cold reads for you. I teased the Lions one, so I'm going to give you the Lions one. Actually, you know what? Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to combine. I'm going to combine both my cold reads into one because I already teased the Lions. Okay. So I'm going to give you two, two and three teams. Yep. Set you up a little bit. All right. Okay. So the the Lions are two and three. DeAndre Swift, the rookie from Georgia, coming off. Two touchdowns and 116 yards. He's the first Lions rookie with 100 yards and two touchdowns since. Uh, the first rookie? Yep. I I don't think. I'm going to say it's job at best. Barry Sanders. Wow. Okay. I 19, thought that was too easy. 1989. I, I thought so too. I was like, there's no way it's been that long. It's been that long since they have had a rookie play a game that well. Their next one, two, three, four, five, six games the Falcons, the Colts, the Vikings, the football team, <laughs> the Panthers, and the Texans. Okay. I'll repeat that if you need me to. The other two and three team, the Denver Broncos that we talked about. Best kicker in the league, not named Justin Tucker. They just come off a big win against the. Wait, pick. is he saying that? Is he saying that he is the best kicker, or he's like the number two behind Tucker? I it's I'm just messing with you at this point. Because I don't even think he's the second best kicker. Who's the second best kicker? Harrison Butker. Wrong. It's Brandon McManus. Uh, I would say he's three. Regardless, <laughs> here we are ranking kicker. <laughs> Let's just rank punters next. Anyway, so. The Denver Broncos next five games, the Chiefs, the Chargers, the Falcons, the Raiders, the Dolphins. I want you to tell me which one of these teams has the better record after the next five games. Yikes, there's so much going on there. Um, I'll I'll repeat them if you need me to. No, it's okay. I'm probably not going to remember anyways. Um, One more time, the Lions next five games, Falcons, Colts, Vikings, Washington, Panthers. The next five for Denver, Chiefs, Chargers, Falcons, Raiders, Dolphins. Okay. Yeah, I was pretty confident to say Denver to begin with. Okay. But even after you said that, I'm, I'm still pretty resolute. I think at first I was thinking maybe because of the schedule the line should, but I don't think that's going to happen. But even with hearing the schedule, which I think they're pretty even, I feel pretty confident with taking the Broncos. Yeah, I mean, you look at teams like to worry about for the Lions. Obviously, I just picked them against the Falcons. But, you know, they have to play the Colts and they have to play the Panthers. You picked the Falcons. And then I did. And then the Broncos have to play the Chiefs and the Raiders. So, like, they both have two really hard games and then other games that could really go either way. So um, I feel like I would I feel like I would pick Detroit if I had to pick between the two. But it's not because I think Detroit's a better team. It's because they get to play Washington and Minnesota in that group of five. So, I mean, we'll see what happens. But uh, I guess that might – just to kind of give you – I'll give you one and a half cold reads because I mixed those together. Still about Detroit – does how does them winning last week and how they looked change your mind at all with Matt Patricia needing to be fired this year? No, it does not. So what would they need to do for that to happen? I'm not saying it changes my mind. I'm just curious. Um, it did give me pause because I was so stalwart on it last week when we talked about it. And I was like, wait a minute. You just need to see that more consistently. Right. That's not obviously this week. Right. Uh, maybe, I mean, if it is this week, that's a... A move in the right direction mm-hmm. um but if they let's just pretend to get blown out this weekend right if they're able to go out and put a game like that in two weeks and then maybe put up a game half of that in in three weeks or whatever that's what i need to see it can't be it can't always be 
we're going to lose five and then we're going to win one really, really well. Right. And then we're going to lose four more. Right. Because that's, I don't want to say it's similar because it's not what happened with Atlanta. Atlanta just lost a lot and then they won a lot. But it's, right. it's similar. You can't just yeah. be the 500 guy. Fair enough. Fair enough. Do you have any cold words? I do. So okay. earlier you <laughs> so surprising. No, not <laughs> So earlier you uh, kind of alluded to the struggles that are going on in Dallas, everything coming out, some players, some anonymous players, we don't know who said them. Ooh. Uh, came out and insulted this coaching staff. They said they're not good at their jobs. They said they're not good at making adjustments. They don't know how to do that. Mike McCarthy came out and fired back saying if you have these feelings, we need to address them one on one. Uh, so there's a lot going on there, especially for a team you said leading the division could easily have more of a hold on the division by beating Washington this week. With all of that going on, first of all, what's happening? Is it just a matter of losing? Tell me that. And then what would you do? I want you to uh, put on your Mike McCarthy Pittsburgh accent. You're Mike McCarthy. And what do you do about it? First of all, I didn't know that Mike McCarthy had a Pittsburgh accent. It's not really anymore, um, but he's from Pittsburgh, and I didn't know to say. Um, first of all, I wouldn't have hired Mike McCarthy to begin with. I was very much on that beforehand. Although I did, we did come on here, and I did say that I appreciated when he talked about all the work that he did, but it doesn't seem like any of that work worked. Okay. You know what I mean? It really just feels like, you know what? I, and I, it's crazy. I was sitting on the couch when I got home from work this morning, um, eating my breakfast slash dinner, watching TV, and I was like, I wonder if Dallas misses Jason Garrett right now. <laughs> because what seems so to they be, certainly never had this record. What seems to Garrett be the started. problem with Dallas is nobody is motivated. At least that's what it looks like to me. And they always played hard for Garrett. The problem with Garrett was scheme and play calling, at least in my mind. It, it always seemed that they played hard for Jason Garrett. They loved him. But he didn't have the best scheme and play calling in place. At least that's what I thought. And that's why they hired McCarthy, who seemed to have the scheme and the play calling. And I'm not saying that it's been terrible. I mean, it's been questionable sometimes. But right now it just seems like none of them have any sort of fire. And maybe part of that is that they lost Dak. You know what I mean? And that was a huge blow. But – Legitimately, if I am in the Dallas organization, there is nothing that I can do because I am not Jerry Jones or above him. Jerry Jones needs to be gone. Yikes. That's, that's what it is? That is the issue. The la- like That, that is 1,000% the issue. The last time the Dallas Cowboys were actually good and won a Super Bowl was with Jimmy Johnson, right? That was the coach. Yeah. And he got rid of him after they won the Super Bowl. Like, because he couldn't handle that somebody was good in the organization. Jerry Jones needs to think that he is the reason that they're winning, and he never has been. And that's a problem. And I, like, I'm at that point where I refuse to believe Dallas will ever win anything until Jerry Jones is gone. He thinks that he, he thinks he's a football mind and a football guy, and he is just not. Yikes. I did not hear the Pittsburgh accent there. All right. Didn't uh, guys go downtown to the south side? There you go. I didn't. I said Pittsburgh, not. Uh, That's Pittsburgh. That was pretty Australian. No, it under. was Pittsburgh. Was it? That's a Pittsburgh stellar first down. Yeah, that was not saying you want to go Yin's downtown. Got, it's Yin's guys want to go downtown to eat, or you want to go to the south side? <laughs> All right, that was pretty good. Uh, so my second. Apparently, you read, didn't go to college in Pittsburgh. I didn't. You're right. <laughs> 
So I hate myself. You picked. Stop. You picked Atlanta to win. Let's I did. Pretend that they don't. There have been a lot of talks. Arthur Blank was obviously non-committal to the future of Ryan and Julio. Do those guys get shopped before the trade deadline? All right. Here's my thing. And this is going to be dramatic, but it's a dramatic situation. I mean, Atlanta's one in five, right? It's a dramatic situation. So here's my dramatic scenario, okay? okay. Here we go. Next five or six games for Atlanta. The Lions, the Panthers, the Broncos, the Saints, and then the Raiders. If Atlanta is not four and one in those five games, get rid of them. Trade everybody. Oh, so you're... I, w- I was asking, is it going to happen before the trade deadline? Oh, so you're which week's well, no. which week's the trade deadline? I'm pretty sure it's week nine. So is that is that new, is that the November eighth game or the November twenty second game? Uh, I feel or like in between that. I feel like it's, so. Wait, what week is it? Right, this is week seven. We're in week seven right now. All right, so the this is week seven. They're playing the Lions, and then week eight they play the Panthers. So you're saying the deadline is before. Week nine, or is it right after week nine? The trade deadline is the third of November. November. So it's before. Okay, so it's before week nine. But that's why I was saying if they lose this game. Yes. If they lose this game. If they lose this game, get rid of everybody. Because I think that theoretically, it's not crazy, and I'm certainly not picking this, but it's not crazy to think that they could win one, two, three, their next four games. Okay. And sit there at five and five with a chance. I mean, then you then you know what I mean. Then you still have a team intact that very clearly can win, and you're like, okay, I still think that legitimately, I'm still a full believer in this core. I'm still a believer in Matt Ryan and Calvin Ridley and Julio Jones and Todd Gurley. Like, I still think that that is a team that can get it done. You just need the right coach, and maybe Raheem Moore is the type of coach. I just, like I said, we we talked about it. They needed somebody to motivate, and he came in and motivated. Now it's only one game, and that happens a lot in the NFL where the interim coach comes in and wins a couple of games because the guys are feeling juiced about some new energy. So we'll see if that lasts or if it's a real thing. I don't it's very conceivable to me that they could win the next four games, maybe five and speed five and five, six and five in, in contention for the for playoffs, but you know, probably won't happen. So yeah, if they lose this next game, I would I would expect them to shop both those players. Okay. Cool. That was my cold reads. All right. So let's take a trip to Fantasy Fanatics. Simultaneous catch had the uh, sigh of relief of all sigh of reliefs winning. <laughs> there were so many. Let me. I'm going to go to this matchup and look at it and, and just bring it up real quick. So there was a point where we had like 80% chance to win, and then there was a point where we had like 3% chance to win. Like it, Yahoo went back and forth. I love it. And so we ended up winning 92 to 85 and what happened was we came down to Monday night, and we had had George Kittle, who had a great game with 20 points on Sunday night. And then on Monday night, this team, <laughs> this team named CD's Dubs, <laughs> who does not have CD land, uh, had Amari Cooper, Tyreek Hill, Devin Singletary, and Harrison Butker, Okay. And they were down by 40 points, maybe, 45. So totally conceivable for them to beat us. Oh, yeah. I would have probably bet money that they would have beaten us, right? Nope. Only 
I, it was crazy. I, I really could not believe it. And then what was even crazier is that in the last drive, Cooper caught like five catches in the touchdown that put him within. Uh, then we, we won by seven because they didn't score again. I was like, oh, my God, you got to be kidding me. They're about to win this game. Uh, they did not. We are now 4-2. and two. We are the number two team, uh, having beaten the number one team. So we're sitting in a pretty good spot. Um, you talk about points for we have scored the second most points in the league, which kind of blows my mind, being without Christian McCaffrey, although you did talk about we sort of – it's a wash because we supplemented that with Mike Davis. Uh, and then points against were also number two in the league. So I thought that was really fascinating. That's weird. But we both did discuss we liked – we thought we really well managed this team so far with you know, the trade for Juju to get his two-touchdown game and then move on from him to get Odell's three-touchdown game and pick up on Antonio Gibson. So we like where the team's sitting, and here's the team right now. Russell Wilson, OBJ, LaVisca Chenault, David Johnson, Mike Davis, George Kittle, Antonio Gibson, DJ Chark, Damian Harris, Jerry Judy, Deontay Johnson, Joshua Kelly, McCaffrey's on IR. Then we have the best kicker in the NFL, Brandon McManus. And Adam preemptively picked up Buffalo's defense last week so that we got him this week against the Jets. Nice. So, yeah, I feel pretty good about this team. All right, all right. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think that we will play DJ Chark if DJ Chark's healthy instead of LaVisca. But there were health concerns last week. That's why we played LaVisca instead of Chark. Uh, and then I don't know. Game. I don't know how you feel about the flex. I like Antonio Gibson against Dallas. Uh, but there's also Josh McKelly against Jacksonville. But we're talking about, you know, workload concerns. Uh, Deontay Johnson's injury designation was removed from him then you have jerry judy so I well mean, there's some questions this. about a flex i'll say this okay antonio gibson is my fantasy fanatic okay talk about it uh i mean there's a lot going on with that backfield jd mckissick has obviously come on and started taking touches catches away Ridiculous. from Antonio antonio gibson has been pretty efficient and effective with those touches so that is obviously a cause for concern but I feel like against this defense, uh, which has not really been able to stop anybody, mm-hmm. there is going to be plenty to go around. I don't think Kyle Allen is going to sling it too much, although if he did, good for him. But I just feel like if they do want to feed two backs, this is a game where two backs could be effective. I still think Gibson is a better, more talented runner than McKissick, and okay. if he's able to make something happen then he'll be able to take advantage. We obviously saw it was the last two minutes, so who's to say, but Kenyon Drake broke a long 60-yard touchdown on Sunday night. Sunday? Yes. Uh, no, no, Monday. Monday. Monday night, so why can't somebody like Gibson take advantage of a hole like that and just go? So I'm feeling good about okay. Gibson this week. And he certainly has come on, like I said, he's in the passing game. And it's interesting because it seems to me that when the team is down, they go to J.D. McKissick for some reason instead of Antonio Gibson, which doesn't make sense to me because Antonio Gibson's such a good pass catcher. I mean, he played wide receiver and running back in college, so it's just very fascinating. But my fantasy fanatic is hard this week because... Is it Alvin Kamara? Yeah. It's a backfield. I planned on making that joke all day. Alvin Kamara. Yeah, I was going to be like, it's Alvin Kamara, and just seeing how you responded. And just being, I, just may, I may have unplugged the mic. <laughs> uh, so my fantasy fanatic is one of the Buffalo running backs because we get to play the Jets. And, you know, part of me wants to say Zach Moss because he'll get cleaned up duty after we crush them. 
Uh, and the other part of me wants to say is Devin Singletary because Devin Singletary um, will get, you know, pass work and stuff like that. Realistically, I think you could play both running backs if you really wanted to. But my fantasy fanatic is going to be Devin Singletary. And it's an interesting one because he hasn't been great. But uh, in a PPR – is our diehard dynasty full point PPR? It is. Okay, I was going to say. So in full point PPR league – Week one, he had 12 points against the Jets. Week three, he had 16 against the Rams. Uh, week four, he had 18, close to 19 against the, the Raiders in the last two weeks, f- five. So I – not combined, but five each week. So he's been a very inconsistent player. He hasn't been dominating for your teams. And realistically, you drafted him in the eighth or ninth round, so it hasn't been like you had to spend that much capital for him. So it's really not like he's crushing your team. But I think that Devin Singletary is due for a really big game. And I saw last week something that I saw during the season. Obviously, I've watched every pill snap too many times because I also rewatched the games later. But something that I've seen from Devin Singletary that has worried me early on was it just didn't seem like he had a burst or he was busting through the line. There were a couple of plays against KC where he was doing that. And I felt really encouraged by that. And there was also two plays. One of them was the egregious. He was out in the flat, and Allen just missed him. There was like 35 yards in front of him. Like, they're they're scheming this guy into open space. And as long as we get the ball to him, I think that he's going to have a couple of big plays in this game. So I think Devin Singletary is is a start this week. All right. There we go. Fantasy Fanatics Player of the Week. Adam's always wrong on it, and Josh is always right. That's not true. When, I'll go back one of these weeks. I feel like maybe when we go on our bye week, I'll go back one of these weeks and track all the fanatics. To say, track I don't think record. Parker had a great game, but he did not because he got injured. But oh, I didn't know that. But Fitz did have a good game. So, regardless. Let's head to prop table. So Josh did very well last week. Josh only got one of them wrong. That's what you told me. Yeah, you only got the one wrong. I, what did I say you got wrong? You told me I got wrong on Fitzpatrick's yes. passing yards. It was his passing yards because he didn't have the passing yards. He just had the touchdowns. So, and then and, no, it was, it, was, it was sorry. There was two wrong out of six. You also didn't get Mahomes' passing yard. No, you did because you said it was under, didn't you? Yes, I don't you remember. did. You you, <laughs> sorry. It was the only one you got wrong was Fitzpatrick's passing yards. Regardless, so we're gonna head back to that monkey knife fight site again. Have a lot of fun. I've got three games to highlight right here. First one is gonna be the aforementioned Bills Jets game because I think there's some really fun lines here. Um, the over under for Josh Allen is two sixty one passing yards, but I'm not gonna give you that one because I think that it's pretty easy over. But <laughs> regardless, we're gonna go Jamison Crowder against the Buffalo Bills six and a half. Receptions is the line more or less? Oh, it's definitely more. Definitely more? Definitely more. Okay. Super easy bet. So we're going to go 6.5 more. So, bet guys, that, go bet sure. that. Uh, I tried to type Crowder, and it said Crowd did, uh, which that offensive skill set players is not. Anyway, that was a terrible sentence. Stefan Diggs, 77.5 receiving yards, more or less? More. All right. I'm typing these as we're doing them, and I'm like, wow, I really thought he was going to talk more about this. Oh, do you want me to talk no, about No, it's that? okay. I'm just fine. Uh, Devin Singletary, who I just mentioned, so we'll see how much you feel about him. The line is 55 and a half receiving yards. Or rushing yards. Receiving yards. Sorry. Yeah, way under. Rushing yards. Um, This is the one where I think I'm going to get you. Yeah, no, because I, I, I don't agree with your fantasy fanatic of the week. Didn't think I so. am under, I think. Okay. Under by just a little bit. I feel like it's going to be like a 50-yard game. Sure. All right. Uh, Let's go to that Atlanta 
Detroit game. Forgot where the Lions played football for a second. So we're going to go to the two main star receivers in this game, Julio Jones, Kenny Galladay. Julio Jones, six and a half receptions, more or less. This one is tough for me. Um, who are they playing again? The Lions. Yeah. Um, I think it is going to be less because I'm going to say six. Okay, fair enough. And then we've got Kenny Galladay, the – Hotel Motel Galladay Inn is 77.5 receiving yards, more or less. I think that's more. More? That was it was pretty confident. Yeah, I feel like obviously that defense turned it on last week against Cousins, made uh-huh. some, made him, forced, him into some, forced him into some mistakes. Um, it's very possible to force Stafford into mistakes, but Galladay's his go-to guy, and I okay. think – Galladay can take advantage of that secondary. All right, now we're going to go to a little bit more. We're going to go to the Tennessee-Pittsburgh game, and these are a little bit more complex. So All right. See. So you're going to pick a winner between the two players I name, but one of the players is being spotted stats. So it's like picking a line in a game where it's like Denver plus three and a half. So Denver, okay. you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's Ben Roethlisberger versus Ryan Tannehill, and Tannehill gets plus 28 and a half passing yards. So Ryan Tannehill starts the game with 28 and a half. Which one has more passing yards? I think Tannehill. Okay. Do, would you – you said that pretty confidently. So would you think that um, – would you think that even if he wasn't being spotted the, the yards? Um, maybe not as much, but as funny as it is because, I mean, obviously – and as big a detractor as I've been against Henry, I think Henry's going to have a good day. But I trust okay. Connor against this defense more, so I feel like it's going to be a continued running game. Okay. Where Ben might throw touchdowns, but I don't okay. think that's going to be – I think they can get down to like the 15-10, then they throw the touchdown. All right, so then let's go to receivers here. A.J. Brown versus Chase Claypool. Claypool being spotted 17.5 receiving yards. Um, I had to think about this. Wow, this is so hard because it's contradicting myself, but I feel like I I think I'd take Claypool. Maybe. That's tough. So you I'm think really that str- I'm really struggling. Okay. Are you good? I mean you could struggle for a second if you yeah, want. Yeah, I mean like <laughs> I I don't know. I just I don't I don't like this cuz I think that AJ's going to have a good day. Okay. Uh but No, you know what? I think I'm going to pick AJ because he's okay. the go-to guy sure. where as great as Claypool is, we don't know who the guy is. All right, so then we're going to go to the other two two other receivers in this game. We're going to go receptions here. It's Juju Smith-Schuster versus the newly no-injury-designated Deontay Johnson, who was leading the team in targets before he went down, and Deontay Johnson's getting spotted a half a reception. So if they tied, it'll go to Deontay Johnson. Okay, um, this is tough because I don't know – how Pittsburgh's playing right now. Like, is Juju still on the outside, or did Deontay take the outside and Juju's in the slot? Well, is Claypool in the slot? Deontay's, Deontay's been injured, so it's been Juju. Or actually, it's been. Right, so like when they been, are it's all been, out Actually, there. it's been Clay. Well, I don't know when they're all out there, what it looks like, but it, the last couple of weeks, it's been Claypool and James Washington on the outside and Juju in the slot. But I don't know what it looks like when Deontay comes back. 
I think Deontay will probably be on the outside. All right. So uh, so I'm going to take that because I feel like Ben likes the outside more than the slot. All right. So just to recap, Josh has more than 6.5 for Jameson Crowder receptions, more than 77.5 receiving yards for Stephon Diggs, less than 55.5 for Singletary rushing yards. Jones goes for less than 6.5, although he says it's 6. Uh, Galladay, 77.5 receiving yards, more. Yards between Tannehill and Big Ben, Tannehill plus 28.5. Yards, Claypool plus 17.5. He went the other way. He went A.J. Brown. And then he's taking Deontay Johnson plus the half reception against Juju Smith-Schuster. And that was prop table. Man, that was a stressful one. So you got a pretty good start, though. I I can't remember how you did the first week when we did – uh, I but, feel like I didn't do that well. But I'll go back and look at it because I think this is fun to keep track of regardless. Have any tidbits before we do Friends Fortune? Uh, I, we we play each other twice in fantasy this week. <sighs> I'm so stressed. Two different leagues. Two leagues where I don't know about how you're doing, but I'm doing pretty poorly. Although I, I'm pretty middle of the pack. I've wanted two straight in the one in Pokemon League. But I, we call it that, everybody, because we like to theme our teams so, like, we have Pokemon League, then we have a Yu-Gi-Oh! League, and we have a league we call Luke League because it was supposed to be drafting with a friend of ours named Luke, and it didn't work it out. Hurt. <laughs> um, our Pokemon League is so interesting. And, and the Pokemon League was also an auction draft, which is only the second or third time I've ever done it. So it was very interesting, and I thought I had a really great draft, but it, it, I, it's, it's very intriguing. I did just make another trade in that league, actually. I don't know if you saw that. I didn't. Like, um. Just a little bit ago? I can't remember. Yeah, I was thought it was this week. Wait, could I be am I wrong? No, I thought I did. Regardless. I feel like I didn't get any, any I feel really good. Matter. I feel really good about my team, so Well, uh Yahoo has like this thing where we can like bet money against each other now. Oh, so God. do you want to challenge me for a cash prize this week? Of course I do not. <laughs> Listen, you're still you're still like twenty six and one. Why would I do that? Because you feel pretty good about your team. I Anyways, do, feel good. do you have any tidbits? Oh, I wanted to be like a dollar. I mean, you can do a dollar. I want to do twenty-five cents. <laughs> um, yeah, I do that. have tidbits. Brian Tannehill's game-tying touchdown pass to AJ Brown. The throw had .9 yards of separation, which is the third tight throw touchdown of the season for Ryan Tannehill. So maybe he does deserve to be in the. Say so that will certainly come in handy against the pressure that. It's coming this, this Absolutely. Weekend. So there are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven teams this year that have overcome a 16-plus point deficit to win. That's the most consecutive weeks in NFL history. That's cool. It's incredible the comebacks that are happening in this, in this league. And another fascinating thing about this is, Two of them involved the Falcons in back-to-back weeks, and the other two involved the Chargers in back-to-back weeks. Nice. So, snake-bitten, man. Uh, Justin Jefferson, the rookie phenom. Rookie wide receiver is great this year. And I know we talked about, we touted this class as being one of the best in history. It already looks like it is. You know what I mean? We're talking about guys like Jefferson crushing it, Lamb crushing it, and then you even go to T. Higgins looking great. And Brandon Ayuk's had some work with Sam Fran. And Chase Claypool looks like a monster. I mean, this this class looks good. But Justin Jefferson, uh, during press coverage on Sunday, had five catches for 90 yards. It's the second most by receiver versus press the entire season. So he's really, really crushing that when people get up in his face. Robert Woods, on his 10-yard receiving touchdown, had a 27% completion probability, which is the lowest 
uh, Rams touchdown this season in terms of percentage to complete. Oh, dang. And then I wanted to point two more things real quick. So people talk about completion percentage being something that you can't improve on. So there are four quarterbacks this year who have increased their completion percentage so far. They're on target passing percentage uh, by more than five percentage points. Can you name the four? No. I only know – I can guess two. Okay. I know Allen's one of them. Yes. He's the number one. He's increased by 10 percentage points. Um, uh, is Lamar on there? Lamar is not. Uh, that was one of, and then I was thinking Kyler. Yes. Kyler is on there at, at 5.8. So it's uh, close to six. Aaron Rodgers has increased it by 6%. Huh? And Russell Wilson has increased it by 8.3%. Wow. So, and then one last note, just a little tidbit about the New York Jets. The Jets, since they drafted Sam Darnold, without him, are 0-8. They scored 9.8 points per game. Their point differential is negative 154, and their passer rating is 60. So uh, we want to maybe we talk about this later down the line, especially if and when Adam Gase gets fired. But this is a huge reason why I'm talking about that it's a total mistake to, to tank for Trevor and take Trevor – not. Not, I mean, tank if you want, get a good players, but it would be a total mistake to move on from Sam Darnold because Sam Darnold has won with this team as bad as it is with as bad of a coaching staff as they have. So, all right, that's my tidbit. There we go. All right, it's time for friends' fortune. Ready? Oh, yeah, you're going first though. Oh, okay. What if I don't have one? I don't have one. So, shoot. So I'm just gonna talk for like. Oh, an- yeah. Oh, you do have one, and you're walking away regardless. Yikes, guys. I just I struggle with this every week because I don't like to look foolish, and I look foolish every week regardless. We're going to go to the Buffalo Bills versus the New York Jets. So the New York Jets, fewer than 20 points in five of the six games this, this year. Not that great. Um, I do think that Buffalo wins this game. I do think that we win handily, but... I will say that those are not part of the friend's fortune. The friend's fortune is that the New York Jets will score more than 20 points this week. I think it'll be 21, might be more, um, but they will score 20 or more points this week. All right. All right, keeping it simple. So the reason I disagreed with the Singletary prop bet is because I'm all over the Buffalo Bills this week. They are coming off two consecutive losses. I think Josh Allen is going to combine for six touchdowns this week. Total touchdowns. He took the blame on himself completely for the loss against the Chiefs, said the team needs me to be better. I think he's going to come out and do it against this Jets defense. He's going to have six total touchdowns. Okay. God, that was so quick. I'm speedy, man. Speed is not always a good thing. Nobody heard me say that, so that's fine. All right, everybody. I just want you to know that this is my formal retirement <laughs> from Simultaneous Catch. It's been a great ride. This is your formal retirement, so when was your informal retirement? Oh, that was like two seasons ago. <laughs> Oh, well.
any shout outs? Uh, I just have uh, I have a question. Okay. Are we going to have a theme song this week? A theme song? Oh, God. Shoot. I forgot. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I apologize, guys, for the editing snafu that I had. And you can't, I can't go back and edit it. So that's just going to be an episode in the, in the Rolodex of simultaneous catches does not have an intro. Perfect. Uh, regardless, thank you for listening, everybody. Everybody, you enjoy week seven of the NFL. God bless.